Secret Layer product is celebrating its anniversary with a super drop, including some of the most polarizing artwork and card choices to date. It's not only pushing the boundaries away from the usual magic fair, but also looking inward and shining a spotlight on artistic pillars of the game. So how do we feel about these new drops, and has our view been split as well? Welcome to Magic the Flavoring, the Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk about all things magic, flavor design, and lore. I'm your host, Andy Mann. Hello, this is Nathan Cancel. And today is a very special episode. It's not going to be special in its content, I suppose, even though all of our episodes are pretty special. But today is our 50th episode. That's pretty hype, isn't it, really? That's pretty good. I think that's good. I think that's cause for celebration. 50 episodes. Like, we started this podcast, uh, technically, we actually started it in December of 2019, uh, but we recorded a few episodes prior to our first publication, and our first publication was in January. So we've still not quite hit our one-year anniversary yet. We're going to do that in January. But yeah, it's been 50 whole episodes of us talking about Magic the Gathering. Did you think we were going to get this far when we first started? Um, I'm not going to lie. I think... I think, I think I, yes. I think we. Oh, had, okay. I, I, I know there were the kind of people that would. Um, whether or not we'd have, I think we've been we've we've been more popular than I expected. <laughs> you yeah. know, like I, I feel like I feel like um, we we did this just because we wanted to, and it was nice to know then over the last you know almost a year now that people actually have been very responsive, and it's quite nice to then engage with the community that you know you've, you you circumnavigate for years, and then you kind of dip your toe and you go, oh, the water's warmer than I expected. Yeah, for um, sure. So, um, yeah. It is. It, we, I'm pretty impressed with the response that we've had i must admit and also from the the larger content creator community as well because you know anyone who's listening to this pod, uh, podcast is going to be an enfranchised player because we are still a fairly niche uh, podcast with a very dedicated but fairly sort of uh, modest audience i'd say um which you know if you are a regular listener or if even if this is your first time like us doing 50 episodes we even though we wanted to do it to start with we wouldn't have got this far without your support so thank mm. you so much for listening yeah, um but, it's, you know, our our listenership is who we kind of engage with. And I think it's really cool that if they're listening to this podcast, they would already know that there's many different Magic the Gathering podcasts out there or, you know, uh, YouTube channels or whatever platform people are doing it on. It's quite a saturated game for that kind of thing because it's the greatest and biggest game in the world. So, of course, it stands to reason that there's going to be lots of um, content around it. Yeah. So I've been really impressed with how we've engaged with the rest of the content creator community who have been very welcoming to the, to us. I don't think I've ever had any interaction with anyone at any level, whether it's, you know, like sort of the big top dogs at things like Tolerian Community College or, you know, other creators that are kind of doing their own thing or people who have just started out like us. You know, at every level, I think we've been sort of very welcomed in and people have kind of dug what we've done, which is really nice. Um, I don't know if I thought we would get this far. I think, as you say, we were doing this because we spoke about magic constantly in just our own friendship circles and both you and i wanted at the time a creative outlet so we decided to marry up our two passions of doing something creative and talking about magic and i think it's fantastic that we've got to 50 episodes and that we've also got things like our youtube channel and we've been doing other projects with other content mm. creators and yeah here's to another 50 and i suppose we'll be saying this sort of same thing um, on our year anniversary which is pretty cool yeah it's been a really interesting year to uh, make content for as well it's a lot of stuff that's happened not just mm. products but like uh, within the community within like the business model imagine there's a lot of things happening in the game right now um, and as much as I think for product wise I think it was a lot um, we wanted maybe to have done six months earlier because there was a lot of like story stuff we could have talked through like getting um, Ravnica um, and when it was came rolling out 
fine. Okay, cool. We miss out on that. But we've also been able to talk every week about something pretty, like, pretty cool. Like, there's very few mm. weeks where we haven't had something interesting to talk about. Like, even this mm. week, we were like, oh, we don't really know what's, is, is there going to be anything to talk about? Oh, yeah, let's just drop five secret less. Cool. Good. There you yes. Go. Have, some, have something to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, today we will primarily be talking about the secret anniversary, secret layer drop, which is their kind of one year anniversary of them doing the secret layers. And there's been a five mega drop. But yeah, I agree. It's the kind of thing when, when we uh, did the concept for this podcast series, I think you and I pitched it as being somewhere between the Vorthos cast, who are a big inspiration for us, and Dies to Removal, which is with Pleasant Kenobi and The Professor, which was a podcast series that you and I both liked. Mm. So doing flavour and lore and design and looking at those as deep dives, but also having a bit more of a conversational tone and a bit more of a discussive kind of discourse between the two of us. And that would have led us maybe to have done loads of episodes in succession, which didn't really have any kind of like, oh, what's happening in Magic this week flavour to it. And I think that's something which I still would like us to do. But the problem is, as you say, it's not really a problem. It's been like it's fueled our conversations is that every week for the past year something major has happened so our kind of discussions have obviously been around what's happened in the past couple of weeks of magic and yeah it's been a really interesting kind of twist of how we can approach all these different things while still looking at what we're passionate about which is the flavor design and lore of the game as opposed to just being like a newscast for the game Mm. um so i'm really happy i'm really happy with where we are now i'm happy with almost everything we've done obviously there's a few things that looking back i'm like oh we could probably do that subject again in a better way or like if you listen to our first few episodes i really love the content of those episodes but uh the way that we discuss things i think you know we've come a long way even in like less than a year um i think even within like the first 20 episodes i think we we jumped leaps and bounds yeah it's a strange it was a strange kind of um format to kind of get around especially since halfway through we had to then do it remotely rather than being in the same room which mm-hmm. weird enough is a very different dynamic um you can it feels much more like a normal conversation i've seen this a lot of because uh, i watch a lot of um let's players and podcasters things like that that have obviously had to now socially distance and there is slightly different quality and it feels like you kind of almost have to it, it feels like it's weird because you don't know what you have to compensate for but there is something you are technically compensating for so yeah it's been a, it's been a very interesting experience and a very cool journey and i'm happy to happy to continue it with you buddy oh same here with you and uh, yeah anyone listening again thank you so much for listening so far and you know join us on the next 50 episodes mm-hmm. um just before we jump into the secretversary talk i do have one last little thing to kind of uh, go through with you um i've been pretty obsessed with the idea of performing arts legendary creatures i think i've been quite vocal on twitter about this and we've spoken about it in the last couple of episodes because we've had like jury master of the review we've had blim comedic genius come out in recent sets and i've been talking about like how these characters kind of do their performing arts and uh i've come up with a few jokes (laughs) amazing i feel blim comedic genius would tell because i've been i've been racking my head trying to like trying to find a voice for these characters not only to like just have as as characters that i can like identify with but also if i want to build around them i like having my characters kind of have a voice in my head so um I've come up with, yeah, with a few few jokes for you, for Blim Comedic Genius. Are you into it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go on, hit me. All right. All right, here's joke number one. <clears throat> so imagine this as Blim Comedic Genius doing this at a, at a Rakdos review. What's an ogre's favourite breakfast? Gruel. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, I love how you chastise me for my puns when I drop them in, but we're going to do a whole segment for you. That's fine. Right, carry on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> How many Azorius law mages does it take to light a candle? 50. One to light the candle pending approval, and 49 to process the risk assessment. 
<laughs> Fantastic. Great. <laughs> I'm quite happy with that one. Um, All right, last one. Uh, this is a call and response. Knock, knock. Who's there? Niv. Niv who? Never hire a cartoon slash film writer to produce two books intended to wrap up a decade's worth of storyline for your ongoing franchise. <laughs> okay, right. That's fantastic. That's a metaphor. I like that a lot. Yeah, I don't think uh, he would say that one. But no, yeah, no, maybe like, not. That's beautiful. Oh, fantastic. There we go. I was pretty I happy that. with those. Good, um, great. I, I hope this is all just um, a bit, just so you could just have one more last poke at <laughs> the creative team. Do you know, well, no, it's because obviously, like that's referring to Greg Wiseman, right? With yeah. the last two books, and the reason it popped up into my head that particular one is because I was watching uh, some YouTube channel the other day, and they were talking about cartoons that had been cancelled, like in their prime, and one mm. of them was the TV show Gargoyles. You know Gargoyles. Oh, Ever heard God, of gargoyles? I've reading bells that I haven't been wrong in a long time. Wait, go, go, go yeah. Ahead. So anyway, that's it. Was a cartoon. It was quite popular. It was quite dark as well. Um, and that was written by Greg Wiseman. And I was like, no, not the same dude. And it is the same dude. And um, he's actually done quite a lot. Like he wrote a World of Warcraft book. Okay. So he has, like, as much as we joke, and as much as I just made a joke about it, he did write books for other franchises, and he's done like a few other things as well. Um, he just maybe shouldn't have been given the the be all and end all of magic fiction like mm. of the past decade so yeah i, I mean yeah <laughs> oh, see now i'm sad again let's talk about something good <laughs> yeah secret layers so for those of you that don't know the secret layer drop secret adversary as they're calling it is a super drop of five different secret layers which like their many uh, sort of drops that they've done and like their many different products you can either buy together uh, or you can buy individually and you have i think at time of recording uh there's literally i'm looking at the time now there's three days two hours 25 minutes and 49 seconds left to purchase these things um so yeah so i'll run through them very quickly we're not going to focus on loads of them there's two in particular that we want to talk about but here they are so the uh first one is secret versary a box of rocks which is a collection of five mana rocks uh we have art series Seb mckinnon which is four new card uh new well new artworks for established cards with Seb mckinnon art we have happy little gathering which is a series of 10 lands so that's two forests two islands two swamps two plains and two mountains with bob ross art on them uh, all basic lands we have party hard shred harder which is a collection of spells with uh, heavy metal art inspired artwork and we'll talk about that a little bit later what that means and the last one is we hope you like squirrels which is six cards all depicting squirrel art on them as the name suggests um so yeah five drops i mean i've never bought into a super drop are you ever gonna likely buy into a super drop as in like getting all five of them yeah no (laughs) no no i don't think um it's funny because individually maybe i would look i would look into maybe buy all of them individually but as a big drop i just cannot justify that much for um for promos you know Mm. like i recently got the um the prime time slime fight crime whatever that one was the avoid slime um from that set um because mm. it is beautiful and i uh, specifically wanted that card anyway and i didn't have a copy of it and i thought well if i'm gonna if i'm gonna get a card that's a bit more difficult to get hold of anyway might as well go for the really cool alternate version um and i'm mm. a big fan of diverse like art styles within their cards like you've got a blood artist in your uh, marchessa deck for example haven't you yeah from the tattoo pack yeah exactly yeah so that's the thing for me is like there's always at least one in in a if, if, if there's one whole drop that i like or there's at least a card in all of them that i'm like i would love to get that um, and i think 
I know the idea of secondary market, blah, 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 doesn't exist, um, all that nonsense. Um, for me, it's easier to get hold of a, a single one than, say, pay the extra, um, especially when these ones, for example, don't have like the charitable donation aspect to it like the Extra Life does. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, so these are the secret airdrops. I think looking through the prices, they're all priced at around uh, 30 to 40 English pounds. So I don't know what that is in dollars. Sorry, Americans. Probably almost exactly the same with the economy at this moment. Yeah, it time. Is actually, yeah. It's, it's more euros. I think it's 45 euros. And then, yeah, it's the same price for. Um, oh, well, there we go. Pounds. <laughs> Yeah, they're doing them in non-foils, no-nonsense bundle for £100, uh, which is four of the secret airdrops. Uh, I think it's the squirrel one that's not included. Uh, and then they're doing another bundle version, which is a super drop foils forever bundle, which does not have the... Uh, Shred harder one. The yeah, shred harder one. one, thank you. So yeah, so there, some of them are coming in for, some of them aren't. Um, yeah, let's just jump into it then. So let's start with the uh, Bob Ross Happy Little Gathering uh lands edition so again as i said this is a collection of 10 lands uh two for each color of mana and they're basic lands each with art featured on them by the late great bob ross uh for those of you who don't know who bob ross is bob ross uh did is it the joy of painting is yeah, that the, the, joy show? Painting. the joy of painting which ran for about 10 years from the late 80s to the early 90s um well, I suppose the mid eighties to the uh, early nineties, and he was much loved, especially in uh, America. But he did also cross over to the places like Europe and Canada as well. Where it was just an instructional painting uh, TV show, and he was known for his very sort of positive uh, outlook on life. The way that he kind of conducted himself on camera was very sort of light and breezy. And generally, he's just kind of a pop culture figure that is kind of beloved. Um, yeah, what do you think of these? I, I think they're really lovely. I mean, I think Bob Ross is one of these things. It's like there's nothing better than putting Bob Ross in the background of any activity you're doing. He's such a soothing, lovely fellow. Um, the title of the product um, is obviously a reference to one of his little phrases that he says when he says, uh, there's no such thing um, as making mistake um, as making mistakes. They're just happy little accidents. Mm. Uh, and I love that that idea, that ethos um, that he has. It's what I have written now, because I don't have a lot for this, because it's not necessarily... Um, I love the ethos behind why they did it, especially when you're doing like an artist series. I think this idea of being able to get, say, artists that um, are, say, past and be able to get them and reinvigorate them into a new format, like, say, a card game, is amazing. The only thing I say about it is it's interesting how a typical Vista could kind of feel strangely unmagic sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like some of these artworks, I feel like um, what I've put in is it's some kind of uncanny valley of where they're so, they look so realistic that it kind of feels like it wouldn't be put onto a magic card as a land, mm. if you know what I mean. I think they're all absolutely stunning. And I quite like that. I like the fact they do feel kind of unmagic, even though they are just like, oh, it's just a mountain in the background. I'm like, yeah, but you don't normally see a mountain like that. The mountains you see tend to be a bit more basic, you know? I mean, for lack of a better word, excuse the pun. Um, so yeah, if, beyond the fact that they, they, they do look strangely and weirdly. This is supposed to be funny because we'll talk about it later with some other cards of how cards can feel a little bit unmagic-y. Like these feel almost back to basics and still feel a little bit unmagic-y, but they are, for lack of a better word, stunning. Like they are absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's interesting. I've seen a lot of criticism uh, online over this particular drop because A, they're in standard border and framing, which means they're not full art or anything. They are just the same frames and, and mana symbols that you'd find on like a basic and a booster pack um which people are a little bit like for a premium basic mm-hmm. maybe you want it full art maybe you want the the framing or the bordering to be slightly different uh, and also the fact that a lot of people who maybe aren't that fussed about it being bob ross are looking at it and going well this is just what you would call like a standard vista there isn't anything particularly magic or magic the gathering about it i saw one uh twist commentator be particularly dismissive saying oh these are just like the kind of lands that you'd throw away and draw uh draft chaff which Mm -hmm. 
like as much as we all have bulk cards, I feel that's almost exactly the antithesis to this podcast and how we feel about hands <laughs> and art. Don't like, don't just throw away anything. Consider what you're keeping, what you're throwing mm-hmm. away. You know, whatever, whatever. That person's entitled to their opinion. Um, but yeah, it's like diverse art styles. It's something we've always said with secret layer drops. If you want it, you can have it. Like as far as pricing goes, these should be for everyone. But in terms of content and art style, not every product is for everyone. So if you like Bob Ross and you like his art, these are the basics for you. If you don't, you don't have to buy them. Mm. Um, that's pretty much it. So yeah, nice. It's a nice tribute to a, a very nice gentleman and very cool art. Mm. Um, cool. Next one up is We Hope You Like Squirrels. So this is a collection of six cards. Uh, we have Chatter of the Squirrel, Croson Beast, Squirrel Mob, Squirrel Wrangler, Swarm Yard, and a Foil Squirrel Token. Um, yeah, I guess. This is very much, I feel for me, this is very much in the same vein as the rats and the cats secret lair drops. Mm. And to a lesser extent, the dogs and the, uh, what's the other animal that they also have done? The birds one. Because the dogs right. and the birds one, they formatted sort of generically good staple cards and put in artwork with dogs and uh, birds in them and then the cats and the rats ones they were actually cat and rat cards that had new artwork on it that was relevant and i think this is closer to that because obviously a few of these are actually squirrel cards um yeah yeah it's funny i love that i hope you like squirrels and my thing is i i don't really care <laughs> no i don't either <laughs> and so these things that this is a, I, I think this is almost like tongue-in-cheek of where they go well i hope you like squirrels because this is perfect like if you like that particular creature type same with ontological studies same with the cat um drop same with the rat drop if you like those cards um yeah great i mean you're gonna love these it's got some ron spencer artwork we don't you don't get to see very much new ron spencer artwork it still looks like the back of the day artworks so you've got a couple of new artists as well joy ang on squirrel wranglers new nice cool um, art style i like the chibi kind of effect of it almost like um, the um, anime kind of almost style to it uh crows and beast even chavarin that's also a new one never realized crows and beast was a squirrel beast until t- until today um, I look back at the old um, old card. I'm like, oh yeah, still written squirrel on there. <laughs> Fantastic, mm-hmm. amazing. Um, Swarm Yard was very much needed of a uh, reprint as well. So I think Carl Critchlow works really good on that. Um, also, yeah. the token that token by Puffy Gator. Um, I think it balances out every aspect of the um, of of the Shred Harder uh, <laughs> secret layer drop in terms of cuteness to to like metalness. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I've looked through some of their other artworks. It reminds me a lot of like um, Johannes Foster's artworks. Um, just really cutesy, uh, super vibrant. Like there's a lot of uh, it's almost like sun kissed um, animals. Um, really, really cool. Um, they can do they can do all of the tokens. <laughs> like uh, going sure. super cute. Really like it. It's weird that this is one of the only. This is the one that's only available in foil. Um, yeah. It is interesting. Well, I kind of feel, well, I'll tell you why this is only available in foil in terms of a practical uh, thing, is because squirrels are this kind of uh, meme tribe in magic, right? It's why a lot of the unset cards are based around squirrels, because everyone has their favorite tribe, and just for whatever reason, the magic community has taken it upon itself to make squirrels like this kind of quote-unquote most powerful tribe, but kind of in a jokey, tongue-in-cheek way, as you say. Um, and there's uh, there's the quote, there's the, the meme of Emrakul can be taken down by 13 1-1 squirrels, right? With uh, flying. 15. 15, sorry, apologies, yeah. of course. <laughs> um, and on Squirrel Mob, the uh, flavor text reads, I barely escaped with my life. At that number, they could take on Emrakul herself, Somalia, Marassa Expeditionary House. Yeah, That's so nice. really they're cool. leaning yeah. full into the meme with this. And I think yeah. the reason that they're in foil is because they only really expect people who are playing like Eternal Formats or uh, EDH to be picking up this drop. They're not mm. like modern legal or standard legal. Do you know what I mean? Like, this yeah, is no, why they're enough. doing it. I think the issue is um, 
obviously there is a degree of issue with curling and obviously when it comes to foils yes. that's a risk you take and the fact you don't get an option to not take that risk with this is kind of interesting um i do think well, again that- it's because they're not going to be in tournaments do you know yeah I mean? exactly so- i mean i think a lot of these artworks will, will pop really well i mean also some rooms are just plain nuts is the, <laughs> the flavor text on chatter of the squirrel which i love uh-huh. i like yeah so whatever, I think this is peak. This is peak secret lair. It's yeah. a cheesy Mimi drop, um, which people can either find cute and get it, or not find cute and not get it. Um, I feel like whenever we're talking about secret layers, because I've done a few episodes now, I feel myself saying things like, "Well, you could just not buy it," and I feel like all of what's wrong with capitalism and gaming because <laughs> that is the answer. <laughs> that is what people yeah. say when they want to defend spending a load of money on stuff. But I do, I honestly do feel with secret layers, I don't like them necessarily as a product. I think we've said this before. I'm still a little bit icky about the whole relationship that they have with LGSs in terms of most of them aren't given to LGSs, which is where the bread and butter of magic should be in my opinion. Mm. But at the same time, if you're going to make a whale product and be a consumer who buys a whale product and you are a whale you don't always have to go for it. Oh, I really thought you were just going like the creature type whales. I just got like sidetracked. I was like, oh yeah, colossal whale. Like, I they will never do that. <laughs> they will never do a whale product. Because... It might be expensive enough. I know. I know. Yeah, well, yeah. And also it'd be just, <laughs> could you imagine if the company turned around and used that terminology, even in a jokey way? Oh, of course. They're not, allowed to rec- they're not allowed to, um, to um, what's that thing that doesn't exist? The second, um, oh, I don't even know. Oh, secondary. Oh, oh how do people price cards? <laughs> Now that there's no MSRP, oh like, god, we're so we're so catty today. It's great. whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, you're talking about secret layers. As much as we appreciate the art and the kind mm-hmm. of availability of variety in the game in terms of art styles and reprints and stuff, which is you know what we're all about. Again, the way that they're put out in secret layers is a debate which I don't think you and I are equipped to have effectively. But essentially, is yeah and i see the better the, the better they make them the more boo it feels because it's like dealing doing a deal with the devil but hey sometimes <laughs> so that was uh we hope you like squirrels the next one i say we're going to blitz through a few of these quite quickly so the next one up that we are going to talk about uh is a box of rocks um this is the first one which piqued my interest in terms of like oh there's some interesting stuff going on here so in this uh drop there is arcane signet chromatic lantern commander sphere Darksteel Ingot and Gilded Lotus. So very much an EDH geared drop. Um, interesting. Now this one is interesting for me because of specifically because of the art style and some mm. of the choices for the cards. They've never prioritized really in these sets having all of them be like knockout punch. This is exactly the kind of reprint we need for this game. Well, apart from the fetch lands, <laughs> except for the price tag. The fetch lands, which they then priced at 250 Like, do yeah. you know what? I, this is another, <laughs> another sidetrack. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a little bit of a sidetrack. I was uh, in London before UK went back into the lockdown, which we're just at the end of now. So this was uh, literally about a month and a half ago. Um, and I walked into Forbidden Planet in Seven mm. Dials. And uh, I was with a friend who was half aware of Magic the Gathering. Um, he's a D&D fan, so he's kind of got one foot in the grave already, but he knows that I'm massively into it. And he was asking me about Magic cards because I said I was going to go and buy a pack on a whim and just kind of crack it just for fun. Um, and we walked past the case. When you walk into uh, Forbidden Planet in that store, uh, they've got a big sort of glass case with all the, the models and figurines on the left. Um, and in that, they had a secret lair fetch lands or whatever it's called, the mythic edition what i don't know what they called it the, the fetchland one and he looked at them and went oh these magic cards then and i went oh yeah that's like a special edition and he went cool what makes these five cards worth 259 pounds 99 
And I explained <laughs> to him, what that is the question. I explained to him from as quick as I could in 30 seconds, because that was his like attention span to it, what the situation was with that secret airdrop. And he just looked at me and went, right and what are you buying and i said oh i'm buying a pack of double masters it's going to cost me about 10 quid for the pack and he just went right okay and i knew that he wasn't interested in taking the conversation any further mm-hmm. yeah well with something <laughs> so, like D where you only have to really bring your imagination and maybe buy some little figurines if you want to get super deep into yeah. it um yeah magic doesn't it's 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 bottom line sometimes is really severe yeah he <laughs> went oh i bought a 30 quid source book about two months ago i've spent so much money on this hobby he said it unironically and I just went, <laughs> <laughs> great amazing yeah cool so a box of rocks anyway sorry the point being that a box of rocks um yeah the so things like arcane signet uh and commander sphere and dark steel ingot these are all cards which are quite cheap now, right? Mm. Like, well, the Signet was the only one that I thought that was worth it, and obviously they've just reprinted it to death in in Legends. So it's like, mm. for what I've put is, it's funny that a lot of these are almost like budget alternatives and decks that don't want to play like Talismans or Signets, and yet this is like a premium budget product. So mm. to me, that's a bit of a, dis- a strange disassociation because, yeah, some of these cards are are being recommended by most um, EDH players um, to be the things that you should be cutting. Like, I mean, there's a degree of argument, say, Dark Lingox, it's got more stability um, or Chromatic Lantern in a five-color deck or a four-color deck, for example. Um, but otherwise, a lot of these cards are, as you said, like, aren't necessarily being played as much as... And if, if they are being played, they're probably being faded out a little bit. So it is peculiar that they've chosen these specific five uh, especially seeing as Signet was probably the most wanted and then have just reprinted it. So now it's buttoned the price down to like, what's it, like two bucks now, whatever, to get Arcane Signet? I suppose they couldn't have put in, say, a Soul Ring because they've already done that in the Commander Collection Green. Yeah. And like, how many Soul Rings can you really print yeah. in a year, I guess? And then do you do half of the Signets or half of the Talismans? Mm. Like, yeah, it's difficult. So I, I kind of think, like, actually, like, talking through it, if we're looking at this purely from a collector's piece thing, rather than if you're buying this to crack for Commander staples, I actually kind of think it's fine. Um, I am one of these people that still swears by Commander's... Uh, Commander's Sphere, um, by Chromatic Lantern. I'm actually very against Commander's Sphere in my own builds. People kind of rave about it, and I... Mm, it's not for me. Um, but Chromatic Lantern, people are like, oh, why would you play that in your three-color decks? I I would play it in every deck if I, if I could yeah, have that many Chromatic Lanterns. That was get away with triple white spells and triple red spells, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How else can we do that? Um, so, yeah. So, I'm kind of into the selection. It was just interesting that, obviously, that was one of the big things where people went, huh, Commander Sphere, interesting. Mm. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the artworks on these. So... Yeah. These are, this is a very mixed bag. There's no sort of like theme to this one. Um, yeah, do you want to run us through the artist names? Yeah, sure. So, um, Arcane Signet is Daddy Pendergast. Um, Gilded Lotus is Mab Graves. Chromatic Lantern is by Karamalor. And Commander Sphere is Yosuke Ueno. And Dark Seal Ingot is uh, Theodoru. Hmm. So a lot of these, like, they're quite bright and vibrant, a lot of them. Um, Arcane Signet is probably my favourite of the bunch, if only because it, it kind of looks a little bit like Studio Ghibli. Like, mm. is it Ar- Aramati is the, like, borrower's Ghibli film? Uh, um, um, Ariati. Amar- yeah, that's the one. Fantastic. Sorry. Yeah, my pronunciation is all over the place today. Um, So I'm digging that one. Uh, and a few of them have got kind of, like, Asian-inspired vibes. Uh, Like, Chromatic Lantern is very, sort of, chibi anime. Like, mm. very bright. Lots of, like, kind of, like, cuteness going on. Gilded Lotus is a little bit creepy it's the outlier i think as well it's strange that four of them do have this almost like chibi kind of uh cartoony aspect to them whereas gilded lotus feels somewhat more towards a seb mckinnon kind of style mm-hmm. of artwork of where it has that um it's not 
it's very hyper stylized kind of like um, not absurdism but it feels a little bit absurd it's obviously just wings coming out of her hair in this gilded lotus artwork um, yeah so it features a girl in a in a pool with a bunch of lily pads and the gilded lotus in front of her and as you say like she's kind of yeah, she has wings that are coming seemingly out of her head from underneath her hair. So it's got this kind of fey thing, as you say, Sam Kinnan, a bit of sort of like Nils Harm-esque. Um, yeah, and it's it seems very out of place with the others. And these secret layers do have uh, art directors, you know. So it's not just card per card per card and they kind of bunch them together. There is like an overseeing eye. So this one is kind of interesting. Dark Steel Ingot's artwork. Yeah, right. This is like, um, advent- it's like adventure time, right? It feels a little bit adventure timey to me, or a bit of it. Um, what's that skeleton game um, where he's a detective? Um, oh, or, I don't know. Oh, God. Um, oh, no. One second. Skeleton detective. Oh, it's going to be so, everyone's going to be shouting at me. Um, game. Grim Fandango. God damn it. Um, okay. It's got a bit of a Grim Fandango vibe to him as well. Um, yeah, it's very straight. It reminds me a lot of a Yu-Gi-Oh card because it doesn't have background. It doesn't really have like a context or like it doesn't feel like it feels like it's just floating in space. And that space is just purple, um, which is very peculiar. Interesting. See, it seemed to me to be um, more reminiscent of mid-90s uh, Pokemon cards where they would mix the watercolor Pokemon art styles with the kind of new, cool 3D art styles where like, for example, I've got a Ditto from uh, the Fossil expansion from Pokemon and it's like a 3D computer rendered image mm. and this kind of strikes me as that the, the only reason i bring it up is because out of all of the artworks up until another secret layer drop that we're going to talk about in a second but out of all of the artworks that we've had up until this point this single artwork on dark still ingot feels the least like the kind of artwork you would find on a magic card yeah. all of the others that are like kind of weird and people have gone oh this doesn't look like a magic card or this is a stylized thing have felt like they're different because they're stylized to be different, but for what they're trying to achieve, like with the tattoo pack, for example, mm-hmm. or for the ornithological pack where it was all like very accurate renderings of like birds and things, they all felt like they were different because of how they were stylized. This one for me just feels different because I would just, I would just never expect to see, there's just something about it that I would just never expect to see on a magic card, even like a, a premium one like this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. Yeah, well, you went for Pokemon, I went for Yu-Gi-Oh. The fact that it just looks like it's from a different brand. Um, again, earlier when I was talking about the Uncanny Valley with the Bob Ross um, arts, there is a certain like expectation as a Magic player after so- looking at so many thousands of cards, your eyes kind of mm. acclimatise to what your your spectrum of, of, of acceptability is. And obviously, Secret Lair drops push this. Uh, the Commander Sphere looks very similar to kind of the Tattoo drop, also similar to the Scry, uh, the... Um, 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 Serum Visions uh, drop where it has sure, yep, yep. That kind of geometric shape to it. Chromatic Lantern, for example, looks a bit Bavlovian. It looks a little bit like the unset, um, un- unstable set. You know, we had um, mm-hmm. all of those. The um, what the mechanisms things, the crank. Uh, what do you crank? Crank the what were the things? Oh my lord, contraptions! <laughs> contraptions. Thank you. It looks like one of the contraption pieces. Yeah, even Gilded Lotus and Arcane Signet do look, as you say, like magic cards, just stylized in certain ways. Dark Ceiling got. No idea what the fuck's going on. No idea. I just don't dislike it. But as you say, it just looks like it's a different IP. I think that's it. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. All of the other art styles up until this secret airdrop, even when they've been stylized, look like they've been stylized for magic cards. Whereas this just looks like it's from a different game. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just I just thought it was worth bringing up because I'm not the only person and you're not the only person that has had this kind of feeling. And it's just it was hard to articulate why. I, I'm not particularly a huge fan of the artwork. I would, wouldn't go so far as to say it's bad artwork. It's just not for me. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, there was just something about it. That I was just looking at it and thinking, but it's not any less or any more stylized than any of the other secret layers that we've had, or indeed in many of the other showcases we've had in the main game. Mm-hmm. There was just something about it that was putting me off, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It doesn't look like it's stylized. It just looks like they've taken artwork from a Yu-Gi-Oh card and put it onto a Magic card. The only um, thing I would say about this drop as well is that the, uh, all of the flavor texts are new, and they will talk about the um, rocks kind of acting as the rock would, uh, which is quite interesting, because as we were saying before, when we were talking about... Um, uh, the chromatic uh, chromatic mocks, uh, sorry, chrome mocks from the Double mm. Masters um, box toppers. Um, it's quite nice to get flavor for cards like um, Signets and and stuff like that because they're usually devoid of flavor. You know, they're just like yeah. mana rocks. Whereas all of these kind of talk about how the mages use them, which is quite nice, quite interesting. It's nice to see people interacting with their mana rocks. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think the idea of uh, giving narrative to things which are a little bit more abstract is maybe something which the secret layers have done almost too much and we deserve to have in the main game, but I do also like the fact that they are fitting them onto these cards here. Because, you know, they they make the choice to either be a little bit meta, like we just discussed with the Squirrels and Emrakul, um, or if they are going to do direct links to the game they make them very explicit like how they have here which is you know a really cool thing um yeah an interesting one for sure um all right we're gonna go on to the nitty gritty now there are two drops that both you and i wanted to talk about um should we start with uh party hard shred harder yeah yeah let's do it Party Hard, Shred Harder. Um, I'm just going to read directly from the Magic the Gathering Secret Lair Wizards website at the description, because I think it would be... It would describe it better than I can. Uh, So here's the little blurb for it. Uh, $29.99. Here it is. The heaviest, crushingest, most brutal secret layer drop of all time. We have picked five cards with the most metal names possible and to turn them into hand-drawn breakdowns. These cards are so incomparably sick that the mere thought of Thraximundar makes our feet unconsciously start to air double base. This drop would not have been possible without the supergroup of talented artists. Uh, Scott Buona Cristo. Illustria, oh my lord, I'm going to butcher these names. Uh, Illustrinasia, Vance Kelly, Robbie Trevino, and Rafael Vektorovich. Vektorovich, so yeah, Vektorovich. Thank you. Uh, brackets, too many skulls, which is part of their artist's name. Um, so this is a secret layer drop of five cards. We've got Anguished Unmaking, Assassin's Trophy, Decimate, Dreadbore, and Thraximundar. And these are in the art style of... I initially took them for posters, but I guess they're also for like um, LP sleeves, like record sleeves. Mm-hmm. They're basically heavy metal art style renderings of these cards and these have caused quite a stir um not necessarily because of the card choices or anything like that but because the art style on these is so completely different from anything we have seen and that includes all the artworks that we spoke about when we were talking about the mana rocks drop the composition of the cards is completely different like i would say as far as this phrase is kind of uh erroneous in, in and of itself, these probably look the least like magic cards of any magic cards I've ever seen. Mm. Would you agree? Everyone thought these were altars when they first saw it. They thought they were just amazing altars. Because there's been a lot of really cool altar work over the last um, few years. I mean, obviously, it's been going on longer, but now there's heightened awareness, and um, clearly people like want to invest into it, and we get more artists, like Cthulhu, for example, doing work uh, more publicly. This, I think a lot of people immediately used to that went, oh, God, who did the altars for these? These are amazing. And then realised, oh, no, they're actually they're actually printing them like this. Um, mm. Which, as you've said, is, is, it's quite polarising. You know, it pushes people... Um, when, when you make something that is so abstract, it is going to push opinion one way or the other, I think. And I think it's mm. obviously deliberate, but yeah, these have caused quite a, quite a fuss. 
So they still have things on them like the Manacostas in there, but they're in, so for example, on Assassin's Trophy, the name Assassin's Trophy is right across the top of the card. And then the mana symbols are incorporated into like the framing of the word. On Thraximunda, it's very sim- uh, similar. Um, they do still have things like the power toughness on Thraximunda is in the corner. They still say whether they're an instant or sorcery. They still have all the information, but they're just placed in very different ways and they are all very different. Um, the thing I will say about these is I must admit when I first saw them I think that this for me was my limit when I first saw these cards I was like okay this actually might be where I start to pull out the kind of magic boomer thing of oh I don't know if I like these they don't look like magic cards to me but actually looking at them in closer inspection I have warmed to them and I think it's to do with some of the deference that these artists have paid to the game because they haven't just, unlike a lot of magic altars, uh, altars where through their creative decision and their process, they kind of divorce the card entirely from the game except for maybe it's like name. But then the artwork is completely different and they just kind of treat it like, oh, well, it's like a textless card or whatever. These do still have some hints of the game in it. For example, I- Anguished Unmaking um, has got still got uh, an angel motif. And it still has Avacyn's spear in the middle as part of the motif of this card. It's got angel wings, it's got all this kind of stuff. So I think for me, they've pulled it back for my own personal take on these. I was first, I was like, oh, these really will never like sort of satisfy my kind of need for this kind of altar. But then the deference that they pay to the game, the kind of like homages they've done, I don't know. I think I think it's kind of cool. Mm. I don't know. How do you feel about them? I I love them. They these these need to be made as t shirts. Like mm. um, the, what I what I've I've put down is it's really nice. And um, oh, also these were dropped. Um, these were um, dropped by Lacuna Coil, who are um, a metal band. So it was quite nice. What I've put is it's really nice to have um, various different walks of life represented within the game. And obviously there are a, a big demographic of Magic players that also do listen to like you know rock music, metal music, mm-hmm. um, and this is a really cool representation for them in the game to be able to go like to see some of like their like because basically they do look like metal albums, or, like a Mastodon album or a Meta- Metallica album cover. And for me, growing up on metal music, like this was really evocative. I saw these and mm. they immediately jump at me. That not only obviously the choices in the names, but the the formatting of it's fantastic as well. They are borderless. I don't, I don't think we've said this. Um, they don't have a border at all either. So there is, it is almost anything they could have possibly done to make it not feel like a magic card. They've done so, but they've done it with, as you say, care and attention to detail. Dreadpool, for example, ha- has. I don't think it is specifically Xava in the artwork, but in the background you have uh, Rakdos kind of almost like a puppet master in the background like the fact they're able to fuse this uh, kind of converse what we said about the artwork for um dark Lingot of where it feels like they took two different things um that divorce the cards um from itself this takes two very different things and marries them together very well these still feel like magic but interpreted under a very different guise um and they all feel like they work together as a group as well like the the color palette on as well is basically like black and white with a couple of uh blocky hues like um robbie trevino is obviously working further and further away from colour if we look at how like he works um, uh, with a lot of his um, early artworks and then with all the triomes um, and some of his um, alternates uh, for Ikoria mm. and then we see this it's funny that we were talking I think we talked about it uh, before about how we've seen his artwork kind of develop and this is allowing him to push towards a certain direction and this is almost them going how far do you want to go yeah and then this is as far as he's gone and yeah I think I think they've done a very good job of delivering magic cards in a way that makes everyone kind of do that initial step back going whoa 
And then the more you look at it, you kind of get a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And you're like, actually, this is really engaging. Like it's, and I understand that it won't, it won't be for, to some people's taste in the same way that Chibi Cats won't be to some people's taste. And yeah. they might or likely not be the same people, of course. But yeah, I think that the fact they can do, they can, they're willing to do what we wanted, which is push things in the drops as far as you can, because again, you don't have to buy it. And this is the best way, best place to make mistakes um, in air quotes. And uh, this is also a really good place to, as I say, represent a, a, a demographic, demographic of your player base that isn't easy to represent otherwise. Like it's quite sure. hard to be dark and brooding in Magic when you're trying to keep it in this middle, still technically a kids' game space. Whereas these, they don't give a fuck. Um, yeah, like Decimate is beautiful. I mean, I, I don't think there's a single one of these I would be unhappy with, and I'm probably probably going to drop money on this one. I think. Sure, I've just noticed on the uh, Dreadbore as well that in the typeface for the word Dreadbore, you've got the Rakdo symbol is in the. Yeah, right. Um, I must care and attention has been paid <laughs> yeah so th- th- i think uh, this whole drop has been actually a bit of an emotional journey for me like even just talking about it now because i didn't really look at it when they first came out it's only in the past couple of days that i've really kind of tried to dissect them and this whole idea of personal preference has really come into play for me personally with these ones uh not only because we just spoke about it with the rocks where it was like how do i why what is it about this artwork that is kind of making me sort of question it and think about it and with this drop, with the Shred Harder set, with this art style, again, as I say, I was immediately like, Ugh. and I think the reason I was a bit against it was because I was also a metalhead when I was a teenager. Like, I listened to, you know, Megadeth, Fear Factory, Metallica, then I started getting into heavier stuff like QO Vedas and some, like, the death metal bands and things. Nowadays, I listen to, to Garage Blues and, and punk music. So, are we cool? <laughs> yeah, well, if, if it's not me and you dancing, like, to EDM music at 2am in your kitchen or whatever, but, um, <laughs> that's a whole different world. Um, and I think the reason I was a little bit unsure about these is because for me this artwork took me back to when i was 14 back to Mm. when i was 14 15 listening to music getting into the old music scene which i'm not a part of anymore so for me it's kind of like a nostalgia thing and i'm personally am not big on nostalgia i'm not a huge person for going like oh do you remember back then when it's just not for me but the kind of explosion of out of outpouring for people on things like Twitter, these have hit really hard for some people in like a positive way, in a good way. And whereas with, say, the Prime Slime super la- uh, secret layer drop, where the art style really put people off, but you and I were like, this is awesome. This is like Adventure Time. We absolutely love this art style. And I couldn't see it from their perspective. I think this is for me, the other way around, where I was like, oh, I'm really not sure about this. This doesn't fit into my idea of what magic is, and it's making me kind of, like, question about, like, my own relationship to, like, this kind of style of music or this kind of aesthetic, whereas other people are straight in, like, well, no, this is completely where I am at right now. So I think it's just it's just interesting. We've been talking forever about the idea of, like, not every secret layer drop is for you, and I think this is one of the first times. This one and the dog one, which was released a few weeks, uh, mm. a few months ago, where these those two secret airdrops were like, for me personally, completely not my cup of tea. But clearly, they are for a lot of other people. And I'm, as I say, as you've been saying, I'm really happy that they've pushed it and they've given the artists the kind of legroom. Like, these don't look like magic cards to me, but that doesn't matter at the end of the day. Like, they do to a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, interesting journey. Bit of soul searching going on. It's funny how this product makes you do that. Um, mm. Cool. Let's move on to the last drop then. This is probably the one that you and I are going to be most happy about, and I dare say most people. Uh, and this is the Artist Series Seb McKinnon Edition. So this is a set of four cards. We have Damnation, Enchanted Evening, Sorrow of Temptation, and a Full Art Swamp. 
all of which with brand new artwork from Seb McKinnon. If you don't know who Seb McKinnon is, uh, he is essentially the artist of Magic the Gathering at the moment and has been for about sort of two years now. Um, yeah. I don't know really what there is to say about this except for fucking wow. Oh, I've got I've got a lot to say about this. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, we need to break it down. Um, so something to um, <laughs> note about this that's kind of... Uh, important i think to realize about these artworks is um there's a there's a twitter thread on sam mckinnon's twitter that's mm. where you find twitter threads where he talks about each of these pieces and he talks about the process of doing the secret layer drop um and he says that the uh artist director uh, for this set gave him complete control over what he wanted to do with these cards and so what seb is elected to do is he's used these four cards to tell a narrative of a single character or two characters technically um if you don't know seb mckinnon is also a writer and filmmaker um and it's kin fables i think is his series of short films that he's also trying to crowdfund into a full uh, length feature film his brother liam however um is a writer uh, and also contributed to the flavor text of each of these cards. So this is a real creative en- endeavor for the McKinnons. And it's not just, oh, Seb gets to do cool artwork for cool cards. This is a whole narrative. And it tells the narrative of a of an errant knight who, on Sorrow of Temptation, uh, that's the first in the series. I'm not going to break down the whole story because you can look at the Twitter feed. No, there goes Swamp, Sower, Damnation, Enchanted Evening. Sorry, I apologize. It's Swamp, Sorrow of Temptation, damnation and enchanted evening um and the through line of the story goes through those four cards so yeah i just think it's important when you're looking at this drop you're not just looking at it in terms of oh what cool cards or cool artwork am i getting you're actually buying a full-on piece of seb mckinnon artwork from start to finish um and yeah like what are your thoughts on this drop i think this is fantastic i think this is the the epitome of what we could potentially like if, if they've handcrafted a product i think for, for like not not just us but like our style of um of, of orthosian of where not only do we really engage with um like stylized artwork i mean seb mckinnon as, as you said um, is hugely popular but it's strange when a lot of his artworks are kind of pushing the boundary of what you'd expect magic artwork typically to be like it looks almost like M- mc escher sometimes or dali work mm. um and I think the idea of him being able to have full control, because my, my initial thing was, why the hell do they print a swamp? Like, don't get me wrong, it's beautiful. But why the hell would they do a swamp? And then you start to investigate. And the story behind these four, the fact that he was able to, as you say, pick what four things, what four, four things he wanted to play, um, what he wanted to paint. Um, he All of his artworks, he's done like multiple versions of. It's like there's a full, full development process going on. And you can see that he talks about how like Sir of Temptation was one of the creatures that was first in one of his brother's decks when he was playing with him. Um, and it was really cool to be able to then reimagine it himself. And then to be able to, as you say, bring his brother in to do all the uh, flavor text and have a story kind of through line as well. And it does, it tells quite a dark story. Um, but I, I don't, everything about this is just amazing. I, I think he's a man who clearly really loves uh, what he does um, and it was amazing for, uh, for Wizards to kind of give him the artistic control to be able to, to curate the entire product from start to finish essentially because it does have a little bit more it hits harder it has more grounding it has more depth and it has more to invest in um, and I feel like it shows you know when when artists really care about what they're doing it does present itself into the art very clearly um, mm. so yeah everything about this is fantastic I think it's also kind of nice uh, just if you're maybe aware of Sam McKinnon and obviously you have individual artworks that you really like but you're not necessarily as invested in the art side of the game as players like we are where you look at maybe these cards side by side and you can see 
that it's not actually just one style for one artist. Like most artists have several different styles that they incorporate into their entire catalog of cards. And the two kind of key semi-killing art styles are in this uh, set. So for things like Seraph Temptation and Enchanted Evening, you have the more uh, fairy tale based almost like Nils Harm-esque uh, artworks that Seb does, where everything is very hazy and ethereal. There's lots of fine detail going on, but kind of with a layer of mist over the top of it to kind of have everything enchanted, and lots of very heavy shadows and contrast. And then you go over to Damnation, and it's where Seb uses these kind of tableau pieces. And he does this on a lot of other cards as well. Like um, Deliver Unto Evil, for example, mm. is another example of this. Um, where it's these very heavily uh, religious-inspired pieces, usually by like Catholicism and other, and other Christian works, where it's, everything's very flat and there's a lot going on in one sort of tableau. But it's not, it's not the same style, even though it is kind of uh, sort of familial with it. And I think it's a good way to show people that maybe as i say like they only see a card like the card that's in front of them because that's the one they want to choose for their deck or whatever and they might like the artwork individually but they might not look at an artist as like a, a whole catalog of work and see the different styles and aggressions a little bit how we were talking about um in the previous secret airdrop where artists are allowed to kind of let loose a little bit and so i think these these uh products these artist series because this is the first one i mean i guess you could call the bob ross one is also an artist series it's just is artist series Bob Ross. It's just because he's not a magic. Yeah, it's in memoriam rather than being developed by. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like this is the kind of thing where if they were to keep doing it, you could get many magic artists doing these secret layer drops. Mm. Maybe someone will return after not doing artwork for the company for a long time. They might be willing to come back and do a little series of all the cards they grew up with, for example. Yeah, could you imagine like Mark Teddin doing like an art drop or right. like Ron Spencer, for example? Like Ron he's Spencer been doing. Is what in- I was thinking of. Yeah, he's been doing individual cards, but he hasn't done like a whole lot. You know. Mm. Um. Yeah. Like, could you imagine like a Wayne Reynolds or something? Or like, I mean, Elena Dana uh, did do the uh, lands one where she did a bunch of snow lands. So, mm. for example, you could technically call that an Elena Dana artist series you know so they have done it it's just interesting that they've chosen seb to be the one that has like their name stamped on the the title Mm. i think of all the artists in the game i think this is one of the ones that they couldn't really go wrong with i mean i know there's probably some people out there that really don't 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 like this style of artwork which is fair enough completely understandable um obviously the same line rise lines through all of these if you don't like it you don't have to buy it um Mm. but it's 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 everything it's the fact that they've even done like a little um short animation of all these cards one to the other like the narrative and all of the flavor text being spoken over the voice actress um seb um, even chose the music that goes in the background so they've even stylized Mm. into a short little film that you can kind of digest the cards that way and you get a bit more of close-up on them like the fact that he's got the kev walker style um eclipsed like black sun kind of aspect in back in the back of damnation like a harker Mm. back to kev's interpretation of the same card um all of this is just yes it's it's, there's just so much care that's gone into this and it's funny like the more the more i look at it the more i like it um which is funny because as soon as i saw it i was like this might might be the best thing i've ever seen but the fact there is such a narrative behind it um i had that journey this morning of where i didn't really realize until i was doing proper research and i went through the entire feed and i say you see the process and the development and the care and the tension that's gone into it and it kind of then opens your eyes to all of the care and attention that goes into other works um obviously this specifically has a that extra touch of uh personality what really annoys me about that Twitter feed is that he shows the progression for uh, Sorrow of Temptation, especially is the one that I kind of got into. Um, and he shows the progression for like initial sketches. And then he went, oh, and then I tried out on like acrylic. And then I kind of went back and I did it digitally. And at each stage of the process, you're like, any one of these you could have just put onto a magic card and it would have still been amazing. Oh, yeah, right. these are all your tests. He just like, has this is just, he just, 
He's just got like multiples just kicking around the house. It's going, yeah, you know, it's the 14th Star of Temptation I've done today. But the fact that you can yeah. work digitally in acrylics and other color, like that's that's that was also a big um, eye opener for me. Because typically, I tend to think that artists do one or the other, or they might say edit um, digitally. Like for example, the Damnation bit behind the scenes is was an original acrylic that he then put in, and then he busied up using digital artwork because you can zoom in and enhance and do mm. that was eye opening to me as well. So yeah, the fact that they he gave a window into the process as well, I think, was really um, imperative for this product to kind of carry uh, the weight that it does to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, I desperately hope that they do do more um secret layer art drops not necessarily because it's ever something i'm going to get my hands on but if they're going to be able to show a spotlight on individual artists and give some of the games like sort of prominent artists the spotlight they sort of deserve for contributing to the game as much um i think this is a really sort of like prominent way of doing it they are still essentially collector's pieces and they are going to be so sought after that getting the singles for these is going to be, I think, pretty much impossible. Mm. But yeah, if it just means that if they announce a secret airdrop, we get a Twitter feed which shows the process like they did with Seb's one, then, you know, crack on, go for it. Um, I don't know if they will. We'll see. Mm. We'll see how well this one sells. I can imagine it's going to be bought to shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to try and get the uh, metal one just because for me, it's really interesting to get um, cards that don't feel like magic cards. Like in a, it's also even stranger. Like when you have them in the deck, it's one thing to look at them on a page on the screen. But say for example, like the void slime that I got. Like when you happen to draw it in your opening hand or one of the cards you draw through, has it does have a slightly different kind of feeling to it. It does kind of engage you a little bit more. It's, it's something about it. I don't know if you've experienced this when you've played with uh, cards um, that are deliberately converse to what normal like magic styles are. But yeah. I, that diversity adds to your deck is also quite um, quite cool. And also, I, th- I think it might be a bit tongue-in-cheek that he did Damnation as well, knowing that maybe it needed a bit more circulation, a bit more printing. <laughs> oh, I, I wonder. I'd love, I'd love to think that he's just like, oh, I know, I know, I know what the players need. They need a new Damnation. Yeah. <laughs> and the players like, yes, yes, we did, Seb. Thank you. Thank you, Seb. <laughs> like he, he did, as you say, he did get into, into fancy games through Magic as well as other games as well. So yeah, potentially, potentially. Um, so yeah, that's the Super Drop series. We've been playing some Commander Legends. That was the last time I spoke to you. It was about yeah. a week ago. We played some Commander Legends, I think. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we both opened a box. Um, they took longer than we wanted them to. Um, I think we both said that it was the first time. Like, well, it's the first time for me in a long time. I've been sat waiting every day for the postman going, come on, dude. Come on, dude. It said it's dispatch, dude. Come on, dude. And then, yeah, eventually it happened on, on the Tuesday after release. Um, we both did the typical thing of not being able to stop ourselves from opening all the packs. Um, <laughs> which is, well, uh, we both uh, built. Uh, we both built two sealed decks. I opened up two six-pack sealed pools and built a deck from each. And you built two from one six-pack sealed pool, right? Yeah, because the choice is um, if you are going to do a sealed version for this. By the way, guys, be careful when you open f- f- six packs of twenty cards because your choices. Oh God, you've got choices. Uh, I find sealed difficult as it is to kind of define sometimes what I want to play. Um, I usually promo prioritize things like removal um but there's so many cool splashy things in the set that you want to put all together and then you're kind of confined by this idea of oh i want to play black but i haven't got like a black partner that can go with this and it's really cool for decision making it's really bad if you're a procrastinator isn't it interesting then that with all that choice both of us built togo and armix <laughs> the same one yeah because it's some there's combinations of some of these are really cool like we even found within the games we were playing some interactions that kind of re-sparked my like oh this is why i love limited it's why we like playing our uh, pack wars because mm. that random five mana destroyer land card that's you know crappy worse than draft chaff is actually really good in in um in pack wars because you get to destroy their one island so they can't play, play half the spells in their hand like that kind of idea of being able to utilize all the cards to cool effects like there are some yeah some really cool 
crazy stuff that happens. Yeah, you found uh, that Falthus, the uh, cat familiar, giving death touch to creatures when you're playing Togo. Togo makes the rock have the creature do the damage. It's not the rock that does the damage. So So suddenly all of your creatures have rocks with death touch, (laughs) (laughs) which is pretty good. Forming on the board, you're like, oh, Oh, this is amazing. And then obviously all the the three players look around you going, well, we've got to kill him now then. (laughs) And then in my Togo deck, I had the uh, Black Elf that whenever a token leaves the battlefield, opponents lose one life, you gain one life. So I've got a bunch of rocks that I can attach to things. I throw the rock, people lose a life, gain life. So all these little interactions were pretty cool. The other thing I was really impressed by, and this is probably more to our sort of brand, is that (laughs) in the multiplayer settings, because I played a few four-player games, I think you only managed to get a few three-player ones in Mm. when we were playing with people uh, on Spell Table, is that the flavour of these commanders, even in a limited setting, like Togo, is so fun just to kind of put some rocks on them and throw them around. I had an Obeka deck, because I opened... Obeka's my sort of second Silpool deck that I built. And just the the politics of it, of just kind of going, oh, well, I can you know, sort of end the turn or, oh, I don't like that card that I drew. Well, I don't want to do anything in my second main phase. I end the turn, past the turn. You know, just her whole kind of vibe that we were talking about in our lore episode really comes through on the card and the play style. I had an opponent, one of the guys in our our sort of uh, LGS pods has an Avineral deck and my God, does that thing work like in Limited? Just that kind of political aspect of going, I could blow everything up, so don't make me do it. You know, he had nothing in his hand for five turns, but none of us did anything to him because he could have just blown everything up. Um, yeah. yeah, they did a really good job of managing to balance the as in that politic aspect, communal communal aspect of um, EDH with a oh, it's a limited, we don't know what we could draw. Kind of, it, it was a really good combination of both those things. It feels like you can build really cool, powerful decks from interactions you weren't even expecting to happen. Um, it's also good that we got to play in person. I saw um, PK do a, a stream, and it was it's funny because they took off. Obviously, you don't get to keep the cards. Um, it was Phantom Draft, but the fact you don't get to. Um, communicate very easily either you don't have that personal aspect kind of takes away that ED we'll on uh, go yeah exactly um and as much as they did have a bit of banter back and forth in the chat um it doesn't have that same feeling whereas when you get to you know throw rocks at people's faces and have a little laugh about it like that's exactly what it should feel like um mm-hmm. so yeah i think they did a really good job like the play experience from legends is everything that i kind of wanted from it so for sure yeah, and from good. our regular draft booster boxes uh, both of us managed to get an etched foil yeah. which are quickly becoming one of my favorite foiling processes so i got lysa shroud of dusk which is the black white and you got an akiri line slinger which I did, yeah yeah Cool. I didn't yeah. we didn't even know we could get it in those packs. I thought it was only the ones from the set itself. I didn't know you could get like any of the etched in the uh, boxes. Obviously, it's kind of like expeditions and stuff like that were a little bit rarer. Um, but mm. yeah, the finishing on them is just so good. Like I typically don't like foils because they can have negatives. Obviously, curling is one thing, but sometimes the, the choices they make and what they highlight are not what line up with what my expectations would be. Whereas these, yeah, blow out of the water. Absolutely amazing. And I also, I ordered a, a Yurlock and a Colfinal and a Belby as well. Um, but the full gold, as opposed to the, the two-color borders where they have, you know, say for Lysa, for example, they had the white and the black around the bordering and then the, the text box is dark. For the gold ones, it's just all gold. And I wasn't quite sure how I was going to feel about it, but they're really nice. They're really bright as well, um, which for something like Queen Marchesa, the printing for the artwork on any Queen Marchesa I've ever seen has been really dark and it kind mm. of feels a little bit dull, which is a shame because the artwork itself is high contrast, but it's not like black. You can still see the greens and the reds, whereas on the printing of the Queen Marchesa cards, at least the one I have, is very dark. So I hope if I ever see a etched foiling, or if I ever buy one, that the etched foil Marchesa is actually a bit brighter because the, um, the etched foil around it on the border will be. The glittering goldness is pretty good and i kind of hope it's something that they repeat in the future 
Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really cool to see them do. I, I think we both agree that showcases are fantastic, right? As much as sequel mm-hmm. airdrops can be super divisive, I do like the idea that they do these um, personalized, like set set fonts almost on cards yes. um, and the templating. Yeah, very, very, very in favor of it. Oh yeah, for sure. If I had to pick, if someone said to me, we can either keep su- uh, sequel layers or showcases, what would you rather pick? It'd be showcases all day long. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that's going to be it for us today, guys. A uh, bit of a shorter one, but then you know, I think we've had quite a few long ones, so you can deal with the shorter one. Yeah, um, great. again, fiftieth <laughs> episode, guys. Uh, I'll say it for the fifth time this episode. If you have stuck with us, uh, even from episode forty-nine to fifty, or if you've been listening from episode one, thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, Magic the Flavoring, on YouTube, where we do crack packs and video versions of our interview episodes, as well as some uh, dedicated law episodes, which we wouldn't be able to do on podcast form. As well uh, you can find us on twitter at mt flavoring where we do uh law discussions every day and we do loads of silly polls about meta law things and how we react to the real world so check those out oh you need to put up um, a pun purple pun put up um, the uh blim put up a blim post see everyone's uh, jokes see, get, get, oh what, what i'll do is i'll actually i'll take the recording of this episode and i'll put it up as uh like an audio file yeah see cool. if uh, see if people's reactions yeah if anyone does have any stupid blim jokes because they are meant to be bad uh do uh tweet them at us or if you want to email them to us so we can take credit from them in future episodes <laughs> uh, you can email them to uh mtflavoring at gmail.com my personal twitter is at and manface nathan's yours is at the fox in the moon uh all that remains for me to say guys is 50th episode hope we get 50 more thank you so much for listening this has been magic the flavoring we'll see you soon